0: grace to someone. Uh, In other words, God is making a promise that he is going to bring something about through David that gives him and his future family hope. As Christians, we are adopted into Jesus' family. And so this promise was not just for David, but also for everyone who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So to give you some background, I'd like to start actually with verses 1 and 2 of chapter 7 in Samuel, and it says this. Now, when the king arrived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, see how I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in your heart. For the Lord is with you. So, throughout David's lifetime, the Ark of of the Covenant was a symbol of God's presence with his people. And David realizes that he's living basically in luxury while God's presence was dwelling in a tent. And he comes up with this idea that he was going to build a house for God, a temple of worship, so that God's name would be glorified. Um, now, you kids, I told you, you, you were gonna, I was going to get to you here in a second, okay? So um, do any of you kids, do you guys like to build things? You guys like to build things? I can imagine that um, some of the, the things that you build are probably like Lego houses, right? How many of you have built a Lego house? How many of you have built a, a fort out of blankets, Maybe something like that, right? So uh, maybe car racetracks, or you can think of whatever you guys like to build. You guys love to build. So I'm going to ask you this morning to help me build this house that we're talking about this morning. So what I'm going to do is every time I say the word build today in today's sermon, I want you to pretend that you're hammering a nail in the board by, uh, by slapping your leg. Can you do that for me real quick? I want to hear some hammers out there. There we go. Okay. So, so as we do this, so, so let's practice. If I say the word build, there you go. Good. Slap your leg in a scripture. Or if I say the word build, good. In my message, make sure you tap on your legs. It will also help to keep some of the adults awake during my message this morning. Um, if anyone's near Brian, make sure that you're yeah, he he said he was going to be sleeping today. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, kids help your parents to stay awake by every time I uh, I say the word build, right? There we go. Good. Okay. So, now, one of the issues with David's plan of building God a house. Good? Yes, building is he A house or temple is that just like we saw earlier that God is not bound by time, he's also not bound by space either. Isaiah 66.1 says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me and what is the place of my rest? You see, God does actually allow, eventually, Solomon to construct a temple for him. But at this point, God has a different type of house in mind. How easily our imaginations can run wild with how we think we can work to show God what we've accomplished, to win his favor by what we can build. But God really wants us to trust him and watch what he is building— so that we may stand in awe and give him the glory, right? It's sort of like trying to hand-paint a picture of a sunset. Okay, you may even be a really good painter, but there's nothing like watching God's plan unfold. God responds to David's human plan with a promise of a divine plan. And he says this, in 2 Samuel 7, it starts in the second part of verse 11 and goes to 13, and he says this, Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, You shall come, or who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. God responds in verse 11 by saying that he is going to make you a house. Now looking at the word house, okay, this word can actually have two meanings. It can mean a physical structure that you shelter in, or it can refer to a family legacy or dynasty. Like similar to the, the, the current British monarchy is called the House of Windsor, right? So David already has a physical house and the house that shall be built in verse 13. There you go, good. <laughs> keeping up with me. Very good. Um, that shall be built In in verse 13, we understand from history that this obviously refers to Solomon, one of David's offspring that constructed a temple for God's name. So in verse 11, God is promising to establish David as a family dynasty. And what is even more amazing is that this kingdom is going to last forever. Can you imagine the hope that this must have given David a hope that long after his, he's gone, his children will have the opportunity to be under God's care and protection forever and ever. Could you imagine receiving this news personally? How do you think you might live differently knowing that God will always be with you? Trusting in the goodness of God helps us to push through difficulties and make decisions in light of God's faithfulness. Ask yourself what decisions might you make differently? Are you seeking fulfillment in the things of this world when it can only be found in God who builds? <laughs> there we go builds us a house of hope. So God made a promise to David, and because we have the advantage of looking back over the last several thousand years, we are able to see that God kept his promise, and this is where we get into the promise kept, okay? The promise of 2 Samuel 7 is fulfilled in the birth and the life of Jesus, See, the scripture in Luke 1 actually links this child that was born, called Jesus, to the descendant of David that will fulfill the promise of an eternal kingdom. We don't have time to get into them all today, but there are hundreds and hundreds of prophecies that were fulfilled that link Jesus to this long-awaited Messiah, as Joe, saying, as, as Joe talked about last week, this was a miraculous birth. The probability of all this coming to pass was astronomical, right? This was a part of God's divine plan from the very beginning, that he would send his son into this world to be born as a baby. Jesus went on from there, though, to live a sinless and a righteous life. He was crucified and, was, and died for our sins. He received the judgment and wrath of God in our place. Though his death, or through his death, he has made it possible for God to forgive our sin and grant us eternal life by faith. This miraculous birth should be proof enough that God kept his promise. But we can also have hope and peace in knowing that Jesus not only did these things, he said them and proved it, that he was the long-awaited Messiah and the way to receive eternal life. Listen to what he said to the woman at the well in John 4, 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He claimed to be the Messiah. Again, we don't have the time this morning to talk about all of them, but there are many scriptures where Jesus claims to be the Messiah and offers eternal life to those who believe and trust in him. He also proved it through predicting how he, would, how he would live his life and how it would end. And after three days, he would live again, right? He would be alive again. Luke 9.22 says this, saying, "'The Son of Man must suffer many things "'and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and scribes, "'and be killed, and on the third day be raised.'" Another, another time, Jesus actually rose Lazarus from the grave. And he said these words right before he raised him from the dead. He said this, John 11. in John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, speaking to Mary, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I pose the same question to you this morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe that this miracle birth that we celebrate at Christmas time is the long awaited Messiah that brings you eternal life? Do you believe this? If you do, then you need to receive it. You need to receive it, which brings us to our last area, a promise received. What is holding you back? Events in our own lives can sometimes cause us to wonder if God is as good as his promises. We are waiting for relief from our struggles at times. We ask God, how long will these circumstances go on? I want to read to you an excerpt from Ben Patterson in his book, Finding Hope When God Seems Silent. He states it this way. It isn't easy to wait. It demands persistence when common sense says give up. It says believe when there's no present present evidence to back it up. Faith is forged in delay. Character is forged in delay. The forge is the gap between the promise and the fulfillment. As gold is purified and shaped, in the white-hot heat of a forge, so we, in our faith, are purified and shaped in waiting. 2 Corinthians 4, 4.17 actually states it this way. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. God doesn't promise us a perfect, carefree life in which all of life's problems go away. He promised us that one day our temporary afflictions will come to to an end and be swallowed up by his glory. 1 Peter 5.10 says it this way, "After, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you where are you looking for your hope and your joy in life is it the things that you control or the god who is in control will you look on him and believe in him this morning john 6:40 says this for this is the will of my father that everyone who looks On the Son, and believes in Him, should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Do you believe this? If you have looked on Him, and believed in the way, and believe in Him, the way to receive Him is to place your faith and your trust in Jesus. Ask the Lord to save you and trust in his promises. Remember the house that we were talking about building earlier? Good. God wants you to be a part of the framework of his family, despite all of your flaws and imperfections. 1 Peter 2, 3, and 5 says this, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, After David received the promise of 2 Samuel 7, he responded in gratitude. It's a prayer of gratitude that's recorded in those verses after in in, uh, chapter 7, 28 and 29, that I want to look at it specifically. It says, these are David's words, and he says this, And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. O Lord God, you, O Lord God, have spoken. And with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. We are blessed forever when you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The words of gratitude in David's prayer help to bring comfort and reassurance, not only to David, but to his family in troubled times because of the hope of an eternal kingdom. God is continuing to build that kingdom even today. He is continuing to draw people into a relationship with him. There is hope for our families. There is hope for this world the whole reason we gather as families this time of year is to celebrate Christmas. It's all because of Jesus. For Christians, the long-awaited Messiah is here. He has already built, just making sure you're still awake, for us an eternal kingdom through his life on earth and his resurrection from the dead. We are citizens of his kingdom. Ephesians 2:19 through 21 says this: So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. God is making you a house, a home. As you celebrate this Christmas and enjoy the temporary comforts of Christmas in your temporary home, I would encourage you to think about the message Of Christmas and the gift of eternal life that God has offered us and offers you. A home that we can spend with Jesus the Messiah, our Savior, forever and ever. I'm going to close with a a story, but I'm going to actually ask the the worship team and the uh, choir to go ahead and make their way up to, to the stage, so if you guys could start coming up. So, there was once a telegraph office, okay? That was, uh, they, now this is back in the 1800s, so, so keep in mind this is before telephones, this is before um, just any cell phones especially, obviously. Uh, all there was was telegraphs back in, back in that day. So there was an office one time that was thrown into disarray by hearing the paper boys outside the office heralding a big news story. They heard these boys outside the office just starting to to yell out this big news story. And they actually got angry. They couldn't believe that they had not known about it. They couldn't believe that they weren't the first ones to hear because how could a national story get to this town without them hearing about it? So what they did was they went back and they began to, to look at all their receipts. They realized that the only way news could have gotten to the newspaper in the first place was through the telegraph office. They searched their files and found the dispatch. It had been received and delivered without even being thought about. So often we receive the news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the resurrection and Christ's victory over sin and death. And then just like that, we file it away without another thought please don't let this message pass you by without taking some time this Christmas to stop and consider the significance. It's a message that brings us hope and a lot of joy. I want to leave you with the words that the angels actually spoke to the shepherds in Luke 2, verses 11 through 14. And it says this, For unto you, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Let's pray, and then the choir is going to close us and lead us in a final song. So Lord, we thank you for this message that you have given us. We thank you for the promise made a long time ago that your son Jesus would come to this earth, to be born to save us from our sins. So Lord, we thank you. For the gospel. We thank you that you offer us eternal life. And we just have to receive it. So, Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody here this morning that has not yet received this great news, that they would put their faith and their trust in you. Lord, we thank you. We want to give you praise. We thank you for this season. We thank you for the opportunities that we will have, not only today, but for the rest of this week to consider all that you have done for each and every one of us. So, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came to us as a child to be a God, Emmanuel, with us. So, Father, we thank you. We give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.